I've known your pastor 45 years, so surely that uh, would make me a local. And uh, it's wonderful to be here again. Uh, Vicky and I will be uh, transferring our membership. We haven't done that yet, but we'll be doing that uh, in a couple of weeks' time uh, once the 50th anniversary of Benella is over. As you know, I was pastoring there for almost 30 years and uh, looking forward to celebrating uh, 50 years uh, anniversary at Benella. And uh, certainly those slides brought back a lot of memories uh, of our camp days. And uh, Gavin and I go back uh, many years uh, in relation to the camps. Okay, let's ask the Lord's blessing on his word that was so wonderfully read this morning to us from Psalm 63. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, again we give thee thanks for thy word. We thank thee, Father, for this Lord's day. And we do pray, Lord, that we might settle our hearts before Thee. Uh, we thank Thee for the opportunity to come here. We thank Thee for the reason for why we're here, to worship Thee in the beauty of holiness. And, Lord God, our Father, we do pray that You take Your servant, hide him behind the cross, that no man may be seen, save Jesus only. And we'll be careful to give Thee the praise, the honour, and the glory in our Saviour's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. Uh, so often we hear in our messages, uh, uh, be ye doers of the word. <clears throat> That's a wonderful saying, wonderful scripture. Then again it says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Another wonderful verse. Then it says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, by taking heed thereunto thy word. And so, when we hear verses like that, be ye doers of the word. Uh, where do we go? What do we, what do, we do? Uh, when we hear verses like, let this mind be in you, uh, what's it talking about? Well, today we're going to look at uh, a psalm, Psalm 63, and it's a wonderful testimony of David. Psalm 63, verses 1 to 8 has been read to us. Now, this uh, 63rd psalm uh, has been called the morning hymn. It was called the morning hymn by the early church believers. It was their custom to sing this psalm at the beginning of their morning worship services. I've called this message uh, following the Lord. Uh, but it could be called the psalm of the ardent soul. Now that word ardent, perhaps not known to many of you, is an old English word. And we don't use it much in these days. So I'm not going to call it that because it might be confusing. But then again, uh, uh, for the sake of simplicity, and for those uh, who are younger here today, uh, I'm going to call it the Psalm of the Fir Dinkum Christian. Okay? There's an Irish uh, <laughs> uh, Fir Dinkum for you. So uh, the Psalm of the Fir Dinkum. You all know what Fir Dinkum means, don't you? Uh, it took me a while to learn what it meant when I came out here. But uh, the psalm of the fair dinkum Christian, the serious Christian, uh, the one who is really honest about his Christianity. And so the key verse in this psalm is verse 8. And the most important words are, follow Howard. Now that word Howard, in its context, uh, has the idea of eagerness, uh, keenness. It has the idea of ador, seriousness, or as I have said, uh, to be fair dinkum about what you say. If you say you're a Christian, then you're 
fair dinkum, are you? Uh, one of the questions we should be asking ourselves when we look at scriptures like this, uh, am I really serious as a Christian? Am, am I really fair dinkum about what I believe in? Let me say this, folks. It is possible to be a follower of the Lord and yet not to follow hard after him. In fact, it's very possible that most professing Christians do not follow hard after the Lord. I hope and pray that after we look at this psalm that we might be enthused, that we might be encouraged to follow hard after the Lord. And to do this, we need to look at each one of these verses. Let's notice the marks or the characteristics of a Christian who is following hard after the Lord. You know, what a wonderful testimony uh, David had, King David had. Verse 8, he says, My soul followeth hard after thee. And we'll look at that just a little bit later. So the first thing we see in this psalm, Psalm 63, verse 1, is that the fur dinkum Christian acknowledges a personal relationship with his Lord. O God, thou art my God. It was a personal relationship. David did not say anything about or speak of an impersonal person or an impersonal God or something nebulous that could not be attained. He did not talk about an almighty God that keeps himself separate from his creation. He spoke of a personal God using a personal pronoun. And I think there's 15 or 16 personal pronouns in that psalm. He spoke of a personal God using a personal pronoun, my God, which was followed by the Hebrew word Elohim, a plural word which expresses the mystery and the wonder of the Godhead. The Trinity, God in three persons. Others in the Word of God use these personal pronouns. Thomas in the New Testament was able to say, My Lord and my God. Do we use those personal pronouns today? Do we go out and speak to a person, uh, I believe in uh, a God, I believe in God, but do you say that Jesus Christ is my God? Uh, do you use it as a personal pronoun? Thomas was able to say, my Lord and my God. David said, O God, thou art my God. Paul in Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply. Moses in Exodus 15.2 says, My strength, my salvation, my God. They all use that personal pronoun, if you like, in relation to their God. The big question is, do we have a personal relationship with our God? Do we have a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ? Can we say, He is my God? You know, Thomas, Paul, Moses, and many others along the way, along with David, could say in a very personal way, He is my God. I hope and pray that you can do that each and every day. Folks, do we know the triune God? Let me just say this. Do we know Jehovah God as our Father? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Do we really know the Son as our personal Savior? 
Do we really know the Holy Spirit as our indwelling comforter? He is three in one. My God, can we say that from our hearts? You know, if you cannot say that, then it may well be that you would have to examine yourselves before God in relation to where you stand before God. If you do not have a personal relationship, if you just have some sort of a church relationship with God, then you need to examine your lives before God. So the fair thinking believer has a personal relationship with his Lord. Next thing we see, and this is David's testimony, and we're looking at something that hopefully we can emulate in our lives so that we can put into practice, you know, let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And he uh, is our God. He is my God. So the next thing we see is that the Ferdingham Christian confesses a deep longing or a deep desire for fellowship with his Lord. Look at verse 1 again. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Now, folks, we're living in a dry and thirsty land where water is scarce. And I'm not talking about the rains. Yes, we need rain. We need lots of rain throughout this country, especially in New South Wales. But I'm talking about there's a dearth for the Word of God. There's a dearth for the water of God in these days. And I hope and pray that you and I are thirsting. You and I are longing after the Word of God, the water of of the word but he confesses a deep longing a desire for fellowship with his lord early will i seek thee my soul thirsteth for thee my flesh longeth for thee is that how you get up in the morning and you can't wait to get to your Bible or you can't wait to get to prayer meeting that night or you can't wait to come to Sunday services or just meditate on the things of God Isaiah 26 verse 9 says this with my soul have I desired thee in the night these men of God had a desire for the Lord even in the night watches can you see where David's focus is it was on his God seek thee thirst after thee long for thee Psalm 42 and this is David Psalm 42 1 as the heart Pantest for the water, so my soul panteth for thee. Psalm 84, 2. My soul longeth for the course of the Lord. Psalm 143, 6. My soul thirsteth for thee. There is no doubt that David had a deep longing for fellowship with his Lord. Have you got that deep longing for fellowship with the Lord? Do you wake up in the night watches and spend time in prayer? Uh, do you go to the word of God when you get up in the morning and before you go to bed at night uh, are you just absolutely dying as it were and seeking the Lord uh, are you thirsting for him and his word uh, can, can you say that your flesh longeth to meet with him he panted he longed for he thirsted after God folks just check your own desire uh, just check how you feel every day. Uh, what takes up your thoughts in the morning? I'm telling you now that if you seek the Lord, if you thirst after him, everything else will fall into place. Right. 
Everything else will fall into place. What what is uh, Matthew uh, 6.33, isn't it? Who can repeat that? Seek ye the Lord. Yes? I haven't got this down here, but I'll, I'll, I'll turn to it. It's all right, we're getting there. Okay. Whereabouts was it? Doesn't matter. We'll be right. What does it say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things be added on to you. Just came to mind when I was going through this. But yes, we need to do that. We need to seek the Lord uh, day and night. The Lord Jesus Christ uh, said in John 7, verse 37, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. The question is, are we thirsting after God? Are we coming to him to be fulfilled and sustained on a daily uh, daily uh, time? Now, the Lord wants his people to come to him. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And that's already been explained in the last couple of weeks. It's not a salvation verse per se. It can be used for it. But this is the end time church. And this is what the Lord wants of his people. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. That's what the Lord desires in these last days. Can we say that we're seeking him? That we're longing for him? That we're thirsting after him? Folks, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that there are not many Christians seeking, thirsting, drinking from our Lord Jesus Christ in these days. And we're not putting down other churches. But that just seems to be the way it is in these days. There are not too many running hard after him. Paul says in Philippians 3, 7, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Do you know the Lord? Or do you just know of him? Now all through scriptures, men had a, a burning desire to know the Lord, not just superficially, but in depth. And folks, there's, there's an awful lot of superficial Christianity going around today. All down through the years, men and women have suffered and even died because of their desire to know the Lord, because they followed Howard after him. Have we failed in these days? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. I know we're in the lukewarm church. I know we're in the last days. But have we failed? Or do we have that desire to know the Lord? I believe that even in the Laodicean church, even in the last days, call it what you will, I believe there are still pockets of fundamentalism, those who desire to know the Lord with their heart, those who desire to run after him, even though Christianity as such has gone away from the things of God. Can we really say with the psalmist of old, early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth after thee. The Ferdingham Christian acknowledges a personal relationship. The Ferdingham Christian confesses a deep longing for fellowship. 
The fair dingham Christian is filled with praise and prayer for his Lord or to his Lord. Verses 3, 4, and 5 tells us that David's life was full of praise, full of prayer, full of blessing. The lifting up of hands uh, talks about or speaks of praise and adoration, petition, supplication towards a holy God. Folks, here's the question we need to answer inwardly. Do we praise the Lord enough in these days? Do you even praise the Lord at all? It's good sometimes, and I'm not asking you to do it, but it's good sometimes to say hallelujah or praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, amen? Do you understand how to praise God? Do you acknowledge God's goodness and God's blessings? You know, I don't want to offend anybody, but the charismatic movement does not have the monopoly on praise. We can praise God, but do it decently and in order. Many times in Scripture, praise and prayer go together. First Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18. Pray without ceasing, and everything gives thanks. You know, there's many Scriptures we haven't got time to go into them today. But this was the case in the early church also. Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. And they continued steadfastly in doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, prayer, and praise. This is what uh, kind of highlights a good, healthy church in these days. Now again, let's ask ourselves the question, do we, like David, appreciate God's loving kindness? Now you don't have to turn to this, but Psalm 107 and verse 8 says this, All that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. The same psalm, verse 15. Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 21. Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 31. Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. You know, when God says something once, we ought to take note. When God says something twice, that's emphasis. But when God says something four times, then we need to sit up and take note. Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness. Have you praised the Lord this morning for his goodness? Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works towards the children of men. Do we acknowledge God's goodness day and daily to ourselves as an individual, to our families, to our church, to our nation? It's only by the grace of God that we are still here, that we are not consumed because we have a loving God. Verse 4 says, While I live, I will bless thee. This is what David vowed or promised his God because he appreciated all that God had done for him and had given him. Therefore, he was going to praise his name. I hope and pray that we will praise his name. The Ferdingham Christian acknowledges a personal relationship. A Ferdingham Christian confesses a deep longing. A Ferdingham Christian is filled with praise and prayer. Now number four, let's look at verse five. The ardent Christian or the serious Christian or the Ferdingham Christian finds full satisfaction in 
the Lord. Verse 5 says, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Full satisfaction in the Lord. I was looking up some verses in relation to this. Spurgeon says this in relation to this verse. My soul will be satisfied abundantly. Thomas Brooks says this. My soul will be filled to the brim with delight. Matthew Henry says this. Abundant satisfaction to my soul. Praise God. David was completely satisfied with his Lord. Now the question arises, are we satisfied with the Lord? Is the Lord satisfying enough for us? John Wesley penned these words. Thou, O Christ, art all I want. More than all in thee I find. He was completely satisfied with his Lord. When we read this Psalm 63, we see that it is filled, as I said, with personal pronouns, referring to the Lord. Thou, thee, thy, approximately 18 times. David had a very close relationship with his Lord. And folks, the more ador, the more adoration, the more Dinkum we are for the Lord the more we shall be weaned away from the things of the earth weaned away from the things of the world and if you are satisfied with Christ well then we don't need anything from the world I do remember a long time ago Vicky and I uh, we used to take the older people out from a little church in Ireland it was called the Belfast City Mission uh, the older people they were probably about 10 years younger than what I am now but uh, we used to be involved in a little ministry and we would take them out uh, away for two or three days and uh, our old pastor was there with us. He served the Lord for 63 years in the one church. So Pastor Gavin's got a little way to go yet. And, uh, but 63 years in the one church. And uh, so we helped out. And we were sitting in the, the boarding house. And there was another young group from another church. And they started talking. And they started complaining. And they started, this is dead here. Oh, there's nothing here. We're going to have to go out and find some fun somewhere. And I always remember what my old pastor said to them. He says, young people, if Christ is not enough for you, you'll not find any more satisfaction in the world. And uh, that's true, isn't it? There's no satisfaction in the world. Now, please turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And verses just 1 to 4. Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 to 4. If ye then, and that word if means seeing or because. So if ye then be risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not 
on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then we also appear with him in glory. Where are you setting your affections today? Acknowledge a personal relationship with God. He confesses a deep longing for fellowship with his God. Filled with praise and prayer for his God. For a Christian finds full satisfaction in their Lord. The fifth thing we see is the third thing Christian is that they develop a pattern of meditation. Verse 6 says this, When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. This word meditate was there long before transcendental meditation, okay? When I remember thee on my bed and meditate upon thee in the night watches. It is not transcendental meditation. I believe that's of the devil, that's satanic. David was thinking about his Lord going over all his blessings in his mind. Remembering his word, remembering his love, remembering his blessings, remembering his goodness. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. David was thinking, David was meditating on the Word of God day and night. Folks, when and how often do we think about the Lord and what he has done? Uh, David had not come to that place where the Lord had been crucified, but David certainly had been blessed of God. David had been lifted up by God. David had been blessed in many ways. And he was so thankful for it. We can look back and say, thank you, Lord, for going to the cross for me. Thank you, Lord, for shedding your blood for me. When and how often do we think and meditate upon him? You know, organize a place. Organize a time. Organize a pattern, if you like. Meditate on him. Think on the goodness of our God. David remembered the Lord at all times, even upon his bed at night time. His thoughts were upon him. Remember Wednesday night, Daniel opened his windows and prayed three times a day as he did a four time. This was his regular routine. This was his hap. This was his habit every day, three times a day. Folks, today we live in a very exciting time. A very busy age. You know, everything seems to be instant. I remember putting something on the little telephone I had, and I had Facebook for a while, and uh, I put it on, and 10 seconds later, they answered me from Ireland. Uh, 10 seconds, and news can go from this side of the world to the other side of the world, and back again. Everything is instant. Uh, people no longer sit and relax. They don't think. And certainly they don't meditate. 
And folks, it would do us good as Christians to spend quality time meditating on the things of God and what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. The Lord himself said, come yourselves apart and rest a while. It's good to come apart and rest a while. But then he said, okay, let's get up and going. You know, you don't do it all the time. There's a time when you can relax and then you need to keep going. It's good for us to spend time on our own with the word of God in hand and quality time waiting upon the Lord. David in this verse is referring to meditation in the word of God where the spirit of God who is the author of the book brings forth light from its pages. As we meditate, we can think on the person of Christ. We can think on his glory. We can think on his greatness. We can think on his mercy, his love, and all the other attributes that you can name today. Folks, where are our thoughts today? Psalm 104, 34 says this, My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Psalm 119, 97 says this, Oh, I love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Joshua 1 and verse 8 says this, The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Psalm 1 and verse 2 I've already mentioned, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And then one of my favorite verses in the word of God, Psalm 19 verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And you can turn to Psalm 119, 15. Philippians 4, 8. Psalm 104, 34. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. All speaks of meditation in the Word of God. It's not wrong to meditate, folks. As long as you're meditating on the right things and these days. So a third dinkum Christian develops the art of true Holy meditation. Verse 7. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. So the third day in Christian has confidence in the Lord. Because thou hast been, past tense, because thou hast been my help, because you have helped me before, therefore... In the shadow of thy wings, I will rejoice. I can sit and relax under your shadow, Lord. I trust you because you've brought me thus far to this present time, and I leave the future in your hands. This verse ought to give us confidence for the future, folks. Again, I like what Spurgeon says in relation to this verse. He says, now listen, past deliverances minister to present trust and assure for future joy. I like that. You know, you can depend on God because he has brought you thus far. He has kept you to this present time. And so therefore you can trust him in the future. What's that little chorus? Uh, yield not to temptation. Uh, yielding to sin. Each victory will help you another to win. And so uh, God has brought us through the trials, the tribulation of life. And that ought to give us confidence for the days that lie ahead. He has done it before. He's doing it now. He will do it in the future. Our God is immutable. Our God does not change. He loves us from eternity past to eternity future. His love has not diminished for us. Now, even though we have 
confidence in going into the future. It doesn't mean that we will not have any troubles. It doesn't mean that we will not have any tribulations. We saw that on Wednesday night. Daniel was a man of prayer. He did everything. He trusted in his God. But yet he was thrown into the den of lions. But praise God, the Lord was with him. He sent his holy angel to protect him. Didn't take him away from the trials and tribulations of life, but was with him as he went through the trials and tribulations of life. Can we say we have confidence in the Lord? The Lord will give us victory through it all. Psalm 91 verses 1 to 7, we'll not turn to you, but it says, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. He is my deliverer. Folks, we can put trust in Christ. We, we can have confidence in him. Uh, we can trust the future to him. He is our fortress. He is our deliverer. He is our shield. He is our buckler. Do you know the difference between shield and buckler? The shield was a large shield that stopped the arrows of the enemy from coming into you. The buckler was a round shield where it was hand-to-hand combat. And so the Lord helps us whenever the enemy's throwing his darts at us, but he also helps us in day-to-day combat. He is my buckler. He is my shield. He will protect us. He will cover us with his feathers, if you like, just as a mother hen covers her chicks. Lastly, verse 8, my soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. The fair dinkum Christian proves the present strength of God in their lives. No one, let me say that again, no one can follow the Lord in their own strength. Oh, you might think you can do it, but no one can truly follow the Lord in your own strength. Not one of us can follow hard after him unless we lean hard upon him. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Folks, it is God's hand that holds us each and every day. He gives us breath to breathe. He leads us, he guides us, he directs us. And this is exactly what David is telling us. Thy right hand upholding me. David is saying, I am relying on your support. I am relying on your strength. Think of it. Hour by hour, day by day, moment by moment, we are upheld by God's almighty hand. Perhaps we have just been following afar off. Just like Peter, in the flesh, in our own strength. Let us pray for God's grace and strength to enable us to be fair thinking Christians and follow hard after the Lord. The fair dinkum Christian acknowledges a personal relationship with his Lord. The fair dinkum Christian confesses a deep longing for fellowship. The Ferdingham Christian is filled with praise and prayer. The Ferdingham Christian finds full satisfaction in his Lord. The Ferdingham Christian develops the art of holy meditation. The Ferdingham Christian has confidence in the Lord regarding the future. And the Ferdingham Christian proves the present strength of God in their lives. Verses 9, 10, 11, and that we're not going into that, but it talks about rejoicing in the Lord regardless of the opposition. Joseph had opposition. 
Daniel had opposition, David had opposition, but you can rely on God. You can rely on the Lord if you follow hard after him. What a testimony David had. I hope and pray that as we look at that, meditate upon it, that we might apply it to our lives, that you and I might be able to say what it is to have the mind of Christ. I believe this is the mind of Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Our gracious God, our loving Heavenly Father, again we give thee thanks for this Lord's Day. We thank thee for the opportunity of opening up thy word. I pray, Lord, that for us who are believers, Christians, born-again people, who have acknowledged Jesus Christ as our Savior, that we might look to these examples within thy word and that we might be doers of the word, not hearers only, that we might have the mind of Christ in our lives Oh, Father, I do pray that ere we leave this place, that if there is one that does not know Jesus Christ as their only and personal Savior, that they might seek someone out, that they might be part and parcel of what we're talking about this day, that they might have a Jesus Christ in their lives. Now, Father, just bless us as we close. We ask it in our Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen.